Well, good morning. Um, it's really good. Thank you, Colt. It's really good to be here uh, with you. We are in our second week of uh, celebrating what is historically been called Advent, coming or arrival. Last week I began and, and just started in, in Genesis and tried to trace uh, through the Old Testament this, this seed that was spoken about in Genesis 3 that was promised that, that God was going to crush the head of Satan, of the enemy, by a seed born of a woman, and, and how we, we showed that promise made all the way through the Old Testament. And we're building up to that, right? Christmas is about uh, God becoming flesh, coming to the earth, about the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ, and ultimately going to the cross. It really is about a tree. He goes to the cross to, 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 for you and I to, to make payment for sins of those who would believe and so Christmas is about Christ, and it's about Christ going to the cross. And I get that that may sound like Easter, but we got He's got to get here. And so we're we're showing this promise all through the Old Testament. And this morning, um, I want to I want us to remember our great need for a Savior. And I think there's a couple of reasons why we should do that. Um, the first is that we're, we're, the more aware we are of our need, the more precious His coming is. Right? You ever, you ever hurt yourself? Yesterday, I'm, we're rearranging some stuff in the chicken coop. Right? We're building out a chicken coop, and my daughter was going to do some trading for chickens yesterday with Kenneth, and so we're getting some stuff settled in the in the. Well, you know, it's a brand new place to me, and so I'm walking around, and there it's, it's tall enough to stand up in the middle, but the closer you get out to the outside edge, it's it's shorter. Who would believe they'd build the roof like that? Right? Where it slopes so the water can run off, but you get out there to the outside and. Man, those, those pieces of wood are really close to your head. And so there was more than once where I turned and I whacked my head, Brent, on that piece of lumber. It didn't move very far. And I did the same thing at Kenneth's house. We're out there in his chicken pen. I whack. He's like, yeah, watch that. It's been there for a while now. Uh, and now maybe in those moments, maybe you've done that. You've, you've stomped your toe. You've smashed your finger. You've done something like that. And I don't know how you respond. I didn't say anything that was unmentionable. I didn't, nothing like that. I didn't yell at anyone. I didn't scream at anyone. Maybe you do. We have, we have a reaction, right? But when it's, when it's really serious, you know, if I had smashed my head and there was blood everywhere and it was really bad and I need to go see the doctor and get stitches, you know, our response is different when it's really, really bad. You know, maybe if you just hit your head, you say something you probably shouldn't. Right, Laura? You're just like, ah, I shouldn't have said that. She's shaking her head, so she knows. Maybe Scott responds that way. I don't know. Uh, but, but when it's really bad, when it's really bad, we don't just, we cry out for help, right? When we think something is really wrong, we, when we know that this might be outside of my capacity to fix, right? This might be outside of my ability to make right. We cry out for help. Everyone in this room does it. When there's an emergency, if you got little kids too, right? You can always put a band-aid on. We go through hundreds of band-aids in a year. Literally, I'm not exaggerating that. Hundreds of band-aids. Freckles need band-aids, right? But but when something happens that you 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 know your daughter does a flip or something and, and she's holding her finger and you think, that looks like it's not straight. I can't put a band-aid on. You realize that this is outside of your capacity. To, to make right. And so you know that you're going to have to cry out for help. You're going to have to call 911 or you're going to have to go to the ER. You're going to have to go to the hospital. You're going to have to seek help. And, and I'm going to say today that I think we need to be reminded 
or remember rather our need for a savior, because the more we are aware of our need for a savior, the more precious it is when he comes, like we just sang about. Right. The second reason is that very simply we're commanded to remember. If you're a Christian, you're commanded to remember. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. It's not an Old Testament passage, and I'm not stealing the thunder of Christ incarnate, Christ coming. uh, But we need to be reminded this morning, we need to remember of our great need for a Savior. I don't know how long you've been in church. I don't know if you are born again or not. But I know that in the circle of people that I talk with regularly, that I encounter regularly, there's there's some common... There's some common misguided information about the Bible and about Christianity. And, and I can see it even in, in my own life and with my own kids. My, my, my children do not know a day not being in the church. They don't. When they were born, we were coming to church, right? They don't know a day of not reading the Bible as a family. They don't know a day of not singing hymnals and not singing songs like we sang this morning. And many of your children, I remember before they were born and even when they were born, fam, right? And they don't know a day outside of this place. And that can be very dangerous if we're not careful. And so I want to remind us this morning from Paul's letter uh, to the church in Ephesus about our great need for a savior. So in Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to read a lengthy passage and we're going to take a look at just a little bit of it. Ephesians 2 beginning in verse 1. We need to get our minds around all that Paul is saying here. So beginning in verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by which by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We're commanded here, Paul writes, we're commanded to remember, remember this, bring it to mind again and again. Remember this. And I'm going to tell you from my own personal, my just own personal confession that I fail at times to remember my great need for a savior. Right. I'm in Christ. If you were to say to me, right, if you died today, where are you going to spend eternity? We, we like to ask that question. And I would say to you confidently, I would spend an eternity Right. With Christ 
because of what he did on the cross, rightly so. I have confidence in that. But there are days that pass where I fail really to remember the depth and the gravity of my need for a Savior. And so I, I just go about life, right? I don't know that it's really bad. I don't remember, Farron, that it's really bad. I just bump my head along the way. Right? It's just saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. I, I fail to remember. But the reality is we're commanded here to remember, to call it to mind, to remember that we were separated, we were alienated, we were strangers from the covenant, he says. Without a Savior, Paul says very clearly that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. That's kind of harsh, really, to say it that way. But we're reading here, the reason we read the whole thing is because Paul says that, and we're called, Zane, to remember this. And so he says, and you were dead. Look at verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked. Right? And then look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin. If you were to ask most people why sin is a problem and why we need a Savior... I think, at least most people in the church, I think they would rightly say that, that sin makes us guilty before God. It does. It makes us guilty before God. And we needed someone to rescue us from being guilty, and that was Christ. And that is absolutely right. But, but that's not the point of verses 1 and 5. Um, that's not all we need. We did need a rescuer. We did need a Savior. But that's not his only point here, right? He says you were, what? Dead. Right? He says it twice, and, and then we're going to make sure that this is what he really means here. Does he really mean dead, or does he just kind of mean dead? We're going to look at that. Don't, don't worry about that. But the reason that we need a Savior, and the reason we need to remember today that we need a Savior, this Advent season, that we, we, can, we fan the flame of yes trees, and yes lights, and yes gifts, and yes all of those things, and yes we sing those songs, but all of that should send our eyes upward, right? It should send our mind's attention, our heart's affection upward towards Christ because it is about him. It truly is about him. And so we're to remember today that we were strangers. We were alienated. We were we were not not familiar with this covenant promise. We were, as Paul says here, we were dead. And so we're not just in the doghouse, if you will. Right. You know what being in the doghouse is like? Anybody, any men ever been in the doghouse? I see some women smiling. Kurt, you ever been in the doghouse? And if you're in the doghouse, right, you can, Brandon, you can whimper, right? Men are shaking their heads. Women, that was your call to Tina to amen, okay? No. But men, if you're in the doghouse, you can whimper, right? And you can beg and kind of plead a little bit to get out of what? The doghouse, right? But we're not in the doghouse, Paul says. We're in the funeral home. That's what he says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And then verse 5, he says, even when we were dead in the trespasses, in our trespasses, he made us alive. So if you're in the doghouse, you whimper, you, you, you say you're sorry, you beg or you plead and you, you get out of the. But you can't do that if you're in the if you're in the funeral home. So, so what does he mean by being dead in the trespasses and sins? Look at verse 3. This shows us how serious this deadness really is. He says at the end of verse 3, he says, We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So in other words, the things that we've done to bring the wrath of God upon us have 
been done by nature, right? By birth. It's in you. It's who you are. And you, the old illustration, just look at the little kids. You don't have to teach them to do wrong. They, you have to teach them to do right. I, I get all that. But, but it's, it's bigger than that because I'm not a little kid, right? You, you're not a little kid, Scott. Colton, you're not a little kid. We are grown men, grown women, adults, and we've got teenagers. You, you're not five. You're not three. And however true and real that is, we need to be able to wrap our mind around the fact that we need to remember that we were alienated, right? We needed a Savior, not just because of sin. Yes, because of sin, but we were dead. And so he tells us in verse 3, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. It's not what you do. It's who you are. Sin is not just what we did. It was who we were. You're born, he says there, an enemy of God. You're a child of wrath. Verse 3, he says, By nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. He says here in verse 2, back up to verse 2. We follow the way of the sons of disobedience. It's another way of saying that disobedience or rebellion is in your genes. Okay, you're by nature. You are a rebel. And for some, that's, that's okay. We applaud that, right? We applaud that. Oh, I'm going to be a rebel. But, but it's... It offends the heart of God. And so he says here that you are a, in verse 2, you followed the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We followed the way of the sons of disobedience. Rebellion is in us. Our spiritual parents, if you will, were rebels. Right? They chose their own way. Adam and Eve did in the garden. So if we're following, what does this have to do with being dead? It sounds like we're very much alive and very much active in our rebellion and disobedient. And we are, no doubt. Um, we're, we're alive to disobedience, he would say here, and we're dead to obedience. We're alive to rebellion, he would say here, and we're dead to submission. We're, being, we're alive to unbelief and we're dead to faith. Um, there's no spiritual nature in us that would incline us to obey. We're born sinners. Spiritually speaking, we're, we're dead. We're without a Savior. We have no spiritual drift towards good things. Um, I, I don't need a Savior simply to forgive me. We, that's not simple, but we, we need that. But also to give me spiritual life so that my heart, I refer to this often in, with the students and even from here, we need, Jeremiah and Ezekiel say, a brand new heart. Our heart is of stone. It's not movable. It's not teachable. It's not, it doesn't move, right? It's, it doesn't shape. It's hard. It's, it doesn't beat. There's no life in it. And so it says that we need a new, new heart. We need a new spiritual life. We need a new heart of flesh that would allow me to trust and obey him. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, he says, we are his workmanship created in 
Christ Jesus for good works. Look at circle or underline the word created. Do you, do you hear what it implies? Do you see what it implies there when he says, for you are his workmanship? Yes, created in Christ Jesus. So you get this Genesis kind of feeling here that, that we're created. We're, we're really in bad shape. We need someone to forgive us, yes, but we also need someone to recreate us, to create us. It's even more, it's, it's in, back up to verse 5 here. He gives us an image in verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. Right? He raised us from the dead. God did that. Elijah did that. This is, but no one, only God, has created. And so we get this image in 5 that we need to be made alive. But verse 10 says, he, For we are His workmanship. He created us in Christ. He created it out of nothing. It was dead. Spiritually bankrupt. We didn't have a drift towards holiness and godly things. And maybe good things, yes, but that's still sin. We'll get there in a minute. But we were in need of life and being recreated so that we could have a bent towards Christ for God and His Word. We were dead and had to be raised. So we're not simply in the doghouse. There's a, there's a desire here this morning to paint this picture and be reminded that there is a great need. It doesn't matter if you are 20 or 60, or 80. I don't know if we have anybody beyond that. I'm not going to ask. But we, it doesn't matter how long you've been in Christ. We, we, there's a call to remember our great need. right? That we were at one time alienated, separated, bankrupt. Not just a good person. We're going to look at some passages about that in a minute. But, but we were dead. We were in need of sin, sin relief. Yes, for, for salvation and forgiveness of sin. But but to be made again, to be recreated, to be created in Christ. So before that, right, because you might say, and Stacy and I have been having a conversation with some family members over the last few weeks um, about this particular thing. Maybe maybe you would say today, um, because what I'm going to contend, what I'm going to say to you is outside of Christ, everything that we do is sin. Brushing your teeth. Buying presents, singing worship songs, sitting under the preaching of the word, doing good deeds. I'm going to say outside of Christ, I'm going to contend by the word that anything we do outside of Christ is sin. Everything we do outside of Christ is sin. And so we are in deep, deep need. And so maybe you say here today, maybe you say. I know some. People that don't believe, or at least they don't go to church, but they do a lot of good things, right? Do you know that person? This is a time of year where we do those things, right? And, and if that's you, then yes, I'm, I'm saying those things to you. This is the time of year where we do those things, right? We, we buy gifts. We take a name off the angel tree. We do that at the school. We, we, we box up shoe boxes and we do all this. And we do good deeds. And so out of those good deeds, maybe we might say, someone on the outside might say, and they're a Christian, why are they a Christian? Because they're doing a lot of good things. They're even coming here, right? And they're here on Sunday morning, and they're here on Sunday night, and they're here on Wednesday night, and they're doing all of those things. Um, but, but here's why I'm going to say that 
anything you do outside of Christ, before you're born again, everything you do is sin. Here's why I'm saying that. You and I were made for God, period. My first first sermon preached here, candidating sermon, if you will, was about the glory of God. And so if you're brushing your teeth as lost and unregenerate, never born again, right, outside of salvation in Christ, if you're brushing your teeth or if you're buying a present for someone, if you're singing a worship song or you're reading your Bible, if you're outside of Christ, it's sin. Why? Because who are you doing it for the glory of? Who? Self, right? You can't do it for the glory of God if you've not been born again. Do, do you see Do you see how we can't confuse and we've got to be reminded, right, that we have a need for a savior. Your best friend that does good deeds may very well simply need Jesus, (laughs) right? Yes, come to church, invite them, but they need salvation from self. It's found only in Christ. Everything we do without a savior is sin. We were made for him and for his glory. And he alone is worthy of our trust and our honor and our obedience. You can listen, you can build hospitals and you can feed hungry people. But I'm going to tell you something. If you if it doesn't spring out of trust, faith and obedience in God through his son, Jesus Christ, it is sin. I don't care how many names you have on buildings. I don't have, I don't care how many people you feed and I don't care how many Bibles you buy. Anything and everything you do outside of trust and faith and obedience in Jesus Christ is sin. That's a very big and bold statement. I'm just going to tell you. Because we don't believe that in, in, in American Christianity. We just don't. Right? We do good things. That's what makes us feel good. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, you were dead. Romans 14.23 says, whatever is not of faith is what? Sin. And so if you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, right, that is salvation, faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If we, if you and I do not have faith and trust in Jesus Christ, everything you do, Romans 14, 23 says is sin. Take that up with the Apostle Paul. More importantly, take it up with the inspire of the word, right? Romans 3, 23, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. What does he say? Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and done what? Fallen short of what? The glory of God, right? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or you drink, whatever it is you do, do what? To the glory of God. And, and what, he, what he says in Romans 14 is, so whatever is not of faith, so if we're, if we're eating, you say, how do you eat and you drink to the glory of God, right? Do you have to stand and preach while you're eating? And the answer is no, right? I am in Christ, Colton. I am a lover of Jesus Christ. Bought by his blood, Right? I am. So I'm going to sit down at a meal with my family or with you anywhere. It can be at R&R. It can be at, it can be at Beans and Franks. It can, be at, it's not, it can be anywhere, right? We sit down at our home. We sit down at your home. We sit down and, and we don't have to sing praise songs and read the word to be to the glory of God. I am in Christ. And so by faith, I am believing and trusting in Jesus Christ and his word. And so I believe in those moments as a lover of Christ and a lover of his promises and a depender upon his promises. I am eating a hamburger. I'm eating a pulled pork sandwich. I'm eating a grilled cheese to the glory of God. Right. You can pray before your before your meal. But if you are outside of Jesus Christ, you are not doing that to the glory of God. You have a need for a savior. I don't care how many meals you pray for. I don't. Because I may forget to pray for a meal. (laughs) I might, okay? 
And that, may, you, you, that you might see me somewhere and I may forget to pray for that meal, Scott. And you might be thinking, he's a preacher, he needs to pray. I'm a lover of Jesus Christ. I am blood-bought and born again. I'm a child of the King. And I'm going to teach my kids, right? We're going to be grateful. And we're going to give thanks. He alone is the provider. He alone is the provider. Not this job, right? Not, not our bank account, not anything. He alone. So we're going to pray. We're going to train them. Those are discipleship moments. Those are discipleship moments. But if I forget to pray, I'm telling you, I can eat to the glory of God. I can. And if that, if that upsets you, I'm so sorry. I want to talk to you more. But I'm telling you what he says here. Whatever is not of faith is sin. And falling short of the glory of God is sin. And so if you're outside of Jesus Christ this morning, you everything you do is sinful. But there's, there is hope. We're going to get there, okay? This is not all gloom, but I need you to feel and know and hear that you have, I have a great need for a Savior. Romans chapter 8, turn there with me. Romans chapter 8. Back up a couple of pages in your Bible. Paul spells out for us what spiritual deadness means. So let's look at that in Romans 8, verses 6 through 9. You could read the whole chapter, but let's just touch on verses 6 through 9 real quick. Romans 8, 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you... Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. It's it's really clear. I I believe when Paul says in Ephesians 2, in fact, I know when he says in Ephesians 2, right, that you were dead in your sins and trespasses, he really means dead there. He means spiritually dead. You're unable to be obedient and faithful to the Word of God. You're you're in opposition. You're, You're following the sons of disobedience, right? Your desires are for the flesh. And he tells us in Romans 8 that that, that to the flesh, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And the mind set on the flesh is, is death. And I've heard it said, and I've even wondered myself at times, Paul has a theology, but... Does it line up with Jesus' theology? Does Paul's view, it's inspired word of God. You need to know that, right? But does it line up with Jesus' theology? So in Matthew, turn with me to Matthew. I want to show you this, that Jesus believed the same thing. You're not just, this is not the gospel according to Paul morning. He preached the gospel, but Jesus, this is Jesus' gospel. In Matthew chapter 8, it's a common, uh, common story. Jesus saw this crowd around him and verse 18, he he gave orders to go over to the other side and and a scribe came up to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And another disciple said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. What do you mean by that? He meant that there were spiritually dead people. That's what he meant. 
and let the spiritually dead bury the dead. You come and be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus believed this, right? What did he think about deadness? Was it was it excusable, right? Did, do we have do we if we don't if we're dead and we we can't we can't follow the Lord? Matthew 23, he's going to speak to some scribes and Pharisees and he's going to say, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within they are full of dead man's bones and are unclean. So you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So we have an example here of this righteous Dead man, right? The scribes and the Pharisees, did not they have the scriptures memorized? Did not they follow the letter of the law? Did not they do all of the right things? And yet Jesus says, your outside is like a whitewashed tomb. The outside is clean. Why would they be full of hypocrisy? Because what they trusted, what they believed, what their mind was set on was not the spirit. What they trusted, what they believed, what they depended on was the flesh or their self, the flesh. Yes. And so Jesus said to the, says to them, you, you're righteous dead men. You've cleaned the outside up, but the inside is filthy and, and ugly and, and needs to be different. A man said to me one time, so I, this is not mine. I wrote it down and you can write it down. The power of our cannot is the depth of our will not. The power of our cannot is the depth of our will not. Our mind is set on the things of the flesh. We want, we want to go that way. We want to depend that way. We, we're nervous when we stand here. Why? Because I'm afraid you might not like me, right? That's sin. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. The gospel is our only potential. God, Galatians 2.20. Paul says, what? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? We get nervous. We get anxious. We're afraid about a job interview, about preaching a sermon, about teaching a class, about all of those things. Why? Because there's a risk of failure because our minds and our hearts are set on the flesh. Right? We've got to confess and repent of that and trust in Christ alone. This is His Word alone. There's authority in the Word alone. Right? I, I want... I, I, I'm, I'm still, we still live in that Genesis 3 world where the cosmos was broken and all of creation was broken. And, and yes, I've trusted in Christ as my Savior, but we're still in a world that's, that presses in with sin. And, and so we, we push back and, and yes, we're in the Word. And yes, we memorize the Word. And yes, we have to say to ourselves, it's, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I am living here in the flesh because I'm physically alive. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So you preach that to yourself. You say that to yourself. Why? So that your heart will be set on the spirit and not on the flesh. Why? Because we're in need. (laughs) We just are. We're in need of a savior. And you need to feel that this morning. You need to know that this morning. There's a warning that he gave us in this, in this Matthew 23 passage. I read in verse 27. So he, you can have your life squeaky clean on the outside, right? There's the warning. This is to me, okay? This is to us. This is to you. But this is to me as well. I can have my life squeaky clean on the outside. It can look really good. My kids can obey. They can sit right there and not move. Right? My wife can follow suit and look pretty and dress up. And I can put on a nice shirt for you and 
and we can have our home in order and we can have all those things in order and inside I can be wretched. There's a warning. There's a warning, right? Take careful lest we fall. That's what the scripture would tell us, right? So we, we are around other men where we're, we're, what promises are you trusting in, right? We're preaching the word. We're, we're saying to one another, how you doing? Are you drifting? Are you okay? There's a need for a savior. Is your heart set on your flesh? Or is it on the spirit? There's a warning there. And there's also an encouragement in John 5. You need to hear this because if you're still dead in your sins and trespasses this morning, if you've trusted in what you can do, where you come from, or how long you have attended a church for your salvation, there is encouragement for you this morning in John 5. And I want you to hear this. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming. And maybe that's 1110, right? On Sunday morning. And now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. If you have any spiritual life within you this morning, any, any spiritual life within you this morning, it is owing to the sovereign voice of the Lord. Yeah, there was a messenger. I, I get that, right? How can they hear in whom they've, how can they believe in whom they've never heard? How can they hear unless we send them, right? But if you have any faith inside of you at all, it is all owing absolutely to the sovereign voice of the Lord and saying, come, come, come. I love you. Come, come. And that's what he says in John 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And so my plea and my, my encouragement to you, if you hear this morning, if you're hearing this morning, Jesus if you're hearing, you're saying, I may be dead spiritually. I've kind of trusted in being good. Or you know what? I've been in a church or even this church my entire life. And everyone believes that I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've got an ESV study Bible. What are they going to think? It's okay. I baptize people with five of them. It's okay. If you're thinking right now, I may be dead. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That needs to be encouragement to you this morning. You're not without hope, right? If you're going, man, there's no encouragement in Ephesians 2. That's right. We need to feel the weight of the fact that we need a Savior. We needed the first advent to happen. We did. And you know what? We need the second one to happen too. We need Him to come again. We absolutely need Him to come again. We are without hope if He does not come again. We are. Because that means the Bible's not true. Joe, that means that God didn't keep His word, right? But it says He's faithful, right? It says He's faithful. And I believe that. And I'm, I'm, I'm believing that promise this morning. 
Because God's word says he is faithful. And so if you are here and you're hearing and you're saying, I may be dead, you, and you're hearing this morning, Christ is the only way. Let me tell you something. That's not me. And that's not an accident. We're here. That is God saying to you, come to me and live. You need to hear that. And you need to obey that. And you need to respond obediently to that. Because to stiff arm that is disobedience. To walk out of here dead is disobedience. Because you're not hearing outside of God speaking to you. You're not. Dead people don't do anything. They don't. They don't. So if you're hearing spiritual things this morning, that is owing to the sovereign voice, loving voice of the Savior. Revelation 22, 7 says, Let him who is thirsty come, whoever so will, let him take of the water of life freely. If you don't have life in Christ this morning, let me tell you, we have a need. You have a need for a Savior. If you have life in Christ this morning, I think I'm looking at a number of saints in this room. I think I am. I think I'm looking at some people and they've trusted Christ. They're, they're, they're hopeless outside of Christ. And they're, they're believing that Christ is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way outside of Him. And if that's you, let me just let me shore up the fact that we need to remember that at once in Ephesians 2, don't forget that we read that. In Ephesians 2, he says, remember that you were once alienated from the covenant. You were once separated. You were once dead, right? You were not at one time alive, Ronnie. You remember? That's what he said. There was a day when I was spiritually dead. I remember that deadness. I remember with my mind and my heart focused on the flesh. Don't forget that. Why? Why, why do you think he would want you to remember? Why do you think we need to remember? Because when you remember, don't, don't you, when you remember, when you reminisce, right? You think of days of old. You think of someone, something someone did. You think of a loved one. Man, how, how special they were or something they really did in your life. What happens? And your heart is filled with love and you are overwhelmed with emotion. You don't have to be a crier to be overwhelmed with emotion. You're just grateful and you're thankful and you're like, yes, man, I miss them because they were so good. And when we, when we remember, right, like Paul is saying here in Ephesians 2, therefore remember that at one time, you Gentiles, you're, you're in the flesh. And remember that you were at, that time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. But now in Christ, you were who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That should send your heart to worship, man. If when we remember that we were alienated and you remember this morning, that should send your heart to worship worship. I was a stranger, Edward. I was alienated. I was separated. I didn't have a part in the covenant, right? That's what he said. But man, he, he brought me close, Kenneth. He brought me close. But God, being rich in mercy and full of grace, he loved me with a great love. That's what four says. And that great love had a name, Right? Love has a name. You know that, don't you? It's Christ. Let's pray.
Father, I want us to I want us to remember and I want us to know this morning. I want us to know of our great need of a Savior. Not only forgiveness of sin, but being made alive, being called up from the dead, being created in Christ. There is a need for that. And let the one who's dead in this room that is hearing that come and drink from the streams of living water this morning. And Father, may the saints in this room, those who are in Christ in this room, remember this morning. Because the word commands it. And because I believe, like Paul says, when we remember that we were separated and we were alienated, when we remember that we were brought near by a loving Savior, Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy and full of grace, for by grace, verse 8 says, we were saved. Those are words that should send our heart aflame for worship. Our mind's attention and our heart's affection should be captured when we remember that we were aliens, but we are now no longer aliens to God because of Christ. Oh, we're aliens in this land, but we believe that Christ is coming again for us to take us to our home So may we respond obediently to your word this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.